This is NBA Sound System Live, featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed, where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System, or visit us at NBASoundSystem.com for more. Now, NBA Sound System Live. Welcome to NBA Sound System LIV Live. Carlin Gay alongside Scott Rafferty, and we are getting set to talk plenty of NBA uh, just around the board. We, we're going to give you our picks very early, I know. Our picks for who might be the MVP right now, today. I know Scott hates that stuff. He likes to sit on the fence with these type of things, but I'm trying to get an answer out of him. Uh, we're going to break down the Eastern Conference playoff picture. I know that's early, too. And we'll do it for the Western Conference as well. Scott, how are you feeling today? I'm doing well. I'm ready to not sit on the fence like you like to say about me and uh, make some picks. So it, it should be a good one. Yeah, it definitely should be. Uh, we we do have to start, though, uh, on a sad note. Um, it is the one-year anniversary of the passing of Laker legend Kobe Bryant uh, and his daughter Gigi. Um, Scott, it was... Uh, it feels like time flew by. It really was a year ago uh, this happened. We're recording now on, uh, of course, the anniversary. And uh, I, don't, I really don't like calling it that. But um, the it, it was a day that uh, I think all of us who you know work within basketball could, could really remember where they were, uh, what they were doing, how they found out, who they found out from. Um, and it, it really kind of shook everyone at its core. Um do you, do you have any memory of, of, of really that day and how, how it unfolded and, um, you know, the way things kind of uh, changed for us here at uh, NBA Global? Yeah, I think you're right. It's, it's just one of those days that you'll never forget where you were, what you were doing at the time. Um, I remember we were just, my wife and I were just hanging out, um, watching some television on, a, I think it was a Sunday. We had just adopted a new cat, uh, so we were kind of riding high, feeling great. And then I got that message across my screen that saying uh, that first message, I think it was from TMZ that said that Kobe Bryant had passed and I just couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, w- you and I had this conversation lately in that the legends in the game, we've been so lucky that so many of the, the, the NBA's icons, greatest players of all time are still alive and have lived long lives and have been around. You know, we hear all these stories from guys like Bill Russell. Um, unfortunately, you know, Will Chamberlain's not with us, but th- there's just so many iconic players who are still alive. And you just you just assume that all these guys will be the same way, and that that was one of the things that hit me really hard that day is that you just assumed Kobe would you know be around for the next 30, 40 years or whatever it was, um, and we just relive all his greatest moments. We'd see him on TV doing all these different things, and for that to just be stripped away like that, um, it, it was a big reality check, I think. Yeah, I think it was a big reality check for 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 everyone, and uh, sad way for for things to to happen and end there for for Kobe and his family, and also the families of uh, all that were involved in that tragic accident. And um, you know, I found out actually speaking on I was I was on the phone with my mom, and uh, I got a text message from one of our our colleagues, um, and he he had all he said was, "Is it true?" And I had no idea what he was talking about. And then uh, my phone blew up immediately after that text message um, with multiple people reaching out, seeing if I had heard the news or just, you know, bringing it to my attention. Um, and then, you know, it was all uh, we were spiraling from there, um, you know, hung up with my mother and uh, had to go into uh, 
real work mode and that was uh that was tough because i wasn't even able to really um you know take in what the you know the breaking news what was happening um you know a, a guy that you know scott i'm i'm sitting here today because of kobe bryant like he he is uh him and him and vince carter uh for a kid like me growing up in canada those two are instrumental in the reason why I, you know, I have chose the path that I chose, you know, in career wise. And the reason why I'm sitting here talking basketball with everyone today is because of Vince Carter and Kobe Bryant. I my, I will say Michael Jordan introduced me to the game. Vince Carter and Kobe Bryant made me obsessed with it. And that mm-hmm. is, you know, the, the, the reason why I, uh, he, he was my reason. And uh, he was a, a lot of, uh, at the end of the day, I remember, you know, getting the call from my brother and hadn't talked to him all day long. And he, he had reminded me that, uh, you know, the first game I ever took him to was a, a Laker game and, and Kobe hit a game winner in Toronto. And we, we shared that that memory. And, and it just brought me back to all of the sort of memories that Kobe had given me as a fan and the way that it connected me with so many people um, amongst the basketball community. I, I think I have more friends because of basketball uh, than anything else in my life and you know more memories I've shared more memories more meaningful memories because of sports more than anything else in my life so far so um, that that is all due to uh, to him just you know being the athlete that he was and I, I'm really disappointed that I didn't get a chance to see what he could have been uh, af- after being an athlete for me uh, as a you know uh, someone that to, to look up to and someone to to kind of Try and uh, not only emulate, but you know, live with the the intensity, uh, the passion that he had for not only the game of basketball but life itself. So uh, that's my memory with Kobe, and uh, you know, rest in peace to a Laker legend, but also to his daughter Gianna, Brian, and uh, John Attabelli, Carrie Attabelli, Alyssa Attabelli, um, Christina Mauser, um, Sarah Chester, Peyton Chester, and Era Zabaya, Zaboyan. Sorry. Um, we remember you guys too, uh, and, and really prayers and thoughts to, uh, all that were involved and affected by this tragedy one year ago. It's tough, tough transition to make. Um, but we will, uh, we'll do our best and, uh, move forward and, and talk about the Western conference, uh, conference that was dominated by, uh, Mr. Bryan in this time in the NBA. Uh, and it's still being dominated by his former team. Uh, right now, as we sit, the Los Angeles Lakers are sitting at top of the Western Conference, led by LeBron James and Anthony Davis. It seems, Scott, they've picked up right where they left off a year ago. Um, and, you know, the, the defending champs look like they're playing a different game than everyone else. They really do. And it, it's interesting because when, I, when we first heard that the season was going to start when it did, the natural assumption, I think, for many people were looking at LeBron's age, looking at that short layoff for the Lakers, and think they really would just kind of coast through the start of the season. Maybe LeBron's not playing that much to catch up on rest. Maybe Anthony Davis, who's dealt with injuries throughout his career, maybe he's sitting out some more games. Um, but it's it's been the complete opposite. You know, Le- LeBron's numbers, we'll talk about him more, I'm sure, when we get to the MVP conversation. But his numbers are basically down across the board, including his minutes. And yet the Lakers are just demolishing teams in the minutes that he's been on the court. Um, and they've been dominant on both ends of the court. Dennis Schroeder has fit in really well. So has Montrez Harrell. I think Mark Gasol has been a really smooth fit for them, which is kind of what um, myself and many others thought would be, just because defensive-minded big man who, who is really smart and gets to play next to LeBron and AD, um, his life is going to be pretty easy. So, you know, all, all those new additions, I was high on them coming into the season. They fit better than I really could have expected. 
both ends of the court, this team is just a monster. Um, and it, it, it does, that, that, that feels like that first championship hangover with them. Um, not the bad right. kind of hangover, but th- th- they just seem to be so confident in themselves. They know who they are. They know what their identity is. And even though it does kind of feel like they are in cruise control, it's different to what I thought they'd be coming into the season. And, you know, it helps when you have two guys in LeBron and AD, two superstars who, who are still, you know, top five players, top three players, however you want to put it. It's very interesting to see because uh, all we heard, you know, coming into the season were that the Lakers, uh, you know, were played deep into uh, October. They would have a quick turnaround beginning in December. How many games, you know, some of these guys would be sitting out, how seriously they'd be taking the regular season. Uh, and here we are, um, you know, almost a quarter of a way through the regular season. And the Lakers are sitting, you know, at the top of the Western Conference. They haven't lost a game on the road yet. They're on their, I think they're on their Grammy trip. They're on a, a long road trip. It might be their Grammy trip, the annual Grammy trip that they take. Um, and, you know, they're, they're playing great basketball. And uh, But they are being matched by two other teams. And the Clippers are there. And I think we need to spend time on the Clippers because I was just going to, you know, skip over mm-hmm. them. But I think we need to spend time on the Clippers because they are doing this very quietly. A year ago, um, if they were doing the same things that they're doing now, I think most people would would be talking about this Clipper team like they'd sweep through the playoffs. Obviously, they stubbed their toe in the second round last year. Uh, you know, they were up three one. They lose to the Denver Nuggets in seven games, and I, it might have flown them under the radar. To me, they are a better team. Uh, they seem to fit better just because of, not because of Tyron Lue being the new head coach, but because they've actually been able to play together. Um, you know, talking about Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and, and Pat Beverly and, and the guys that have been there. And then you add a Serge Ibaka, and I think he gives them what they were missing. And they've resurrected Nick Batum even to, you know, to play decent basketball. Nick Batum was rotten away in, on the Hornets bench, and he's now in a situation where he could be a champion at the end of the day. I think the Clippers, um, to me right now, are better than they were a year ago, and I think they're scarier, a scarier uh, you know team. Uh, the, the, the Lakers really should be looking over their shoulder, saying this team could beat us in a seven-game series. I'm right there with you, and it's funny we kind of we talked about the Jazz last week and how about you know last season they were kind of NBA Twitter's favorite team. People thought they were going to be really good. They kind of never really reached that expectation and it feels like they're just flying under the radar this year and i think it's exactly the same like you just said with the clippers um that everyone just thought they were gonna you know waltz their way to the nba finals with uh kawhi leonard coming off of that that championship run with the raptors and paul george but for a variety of reasons it just it just didn't work out and i think the biggest one is that paul george started the season behind the eight ball um, because he was injured, he was having shoulder surgery, and it just kind of never really felt like they could get into a rhythm. Because even when I remember when Paul George came back, it felt like Kawhi Leonard missed some time, then Kawhi Leonard was back, Paul George missed some time, and nobody could ever quite get on the same page. It felt like, um, and it was just so easy to talk themselves, talk yourself into them being like the favorite in the league just because they were so stacked. Um, but you know, we we saw in the playoffs that that couldn't overcome some of their underlying issues. And I, I think you're right in saying that. You know, like Serge Ibaka is not even having that great of a season statistically for him, especially when you compare over the last couple of years. But he's doing things that they really need. He he gives him a bigger body on defense who can match up with some of the bigger centers that Montrezl Harrell couldn't. His three-point shooting is huge for them. He's shooting 37% from three. That provides valuable spacing for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And then, yeah, you, you throw in some of the other pieces around there. They're shooting the lights out. Nicholas Batum knows his role. They have some vets. Um, it, it does kind of feel like all the pieces are starting to, to fit together like we kind of expected them to last season. Um, obviously, it's still driven by Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. 
They have both been playing incredible to start this season. Actually, Paul George hit the ground running and Kawhi got off to a little bit of a slow start. Um, but Kawhi has really picked it up lately. And I think they're both shooting, what, like 50, 40, 90 um, while mm-hmm. averaging over 20 points per game, which is just absurd. I'm not necessarily expecting them to continue shooting that well the entire season because, again, that would, that would be incredible um, and almost unprecedented. But I think there's only been like a handful of guys who have finished the season shooting 50, 40, 90. So for two on the same team to do that would, would be ridiculous. But, you know, as long as, again, it's, it's like the Lakers thing. The, both the, these teams are built around, you know, all-star duos. Um, when those guys are playing at the peak of their powers, you know, every, everything looks pretty good. Um, and it helps that they're both two-way monsters, kind of like LeBron and AD are. So um, yeah. it, it, it's going to be fascinating to see how the season plays out for them. The, obviously, the, the playoffs are a big t- uh, key for them because Paul George has a history of, lately anyway, of not necessarily showing up uh, no, or not playing playoff as well in the playoffs. Key. Not, not playoff not, key. But it, I, it's also easy to forget that Paul George was a monster <laughs> in the playoffs to begin his, his career. But um, right. So that will be the true test. But I think you have to obviously, you know, you have the, the regular season is incredibly valuable. So they're off to the right track this season, which is encouraging. They are. And I think you made the good point about Ibaka. Is he having the best season? Um, you know, he's coming off an incredible year last year with the Toronto Raptors. He's not he's not producing at the same clip. But what he does and his presence has done has put everyone in their correct spot. I think there was always a lot of questions around whether or not Zubac should be the starting center for the team. But if you had Montrezl Harrell, who was better suited to coming off the bench, then it forced Zubac into a situation where he he was probably uh, a fake starter, for lack of a better term, a guy that would start games would not close him. And now he's in a situation where he's coming off the bench. He's going to give you your, you know, whatever he gives you, 15 minutes per game, and uh, and you get him out of there. And he doesn't hurt you against other bench units, whereas last year, I think a lot of questions were, how can he guard Jokic? How can he guard AD? How can he guard, uh, you know, some of the bigs that were in the Western Conference? And, uh, he, well, we didn't find out really what, what that answer would be because they, they flamed out pretty quickly, but... Now you don't even have to ask that question because he's going to be going up against second units, and that and that goes the same for you know Luke Kennard and, and a guy like that who's you you know Lou Williams, a guy like that who's a six man and would close games for the Clippers a year ago. I don't think he's closing games this year. I, I think he's 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 probably in that six man role. Maybe if he gets extremely hot, you leave him in for a little bit more, but he doesn't have to close games anymore. Now you don't have to worry about him being a liability defensively. So. I think this Clipper team is is just it put everybody in the correct role, um, picking up a, a Serge Ibaka and 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 you know getting you know the the, the commitment from a, a Marcus Morris going forward and, uh, and and picking up Mick Batum. I think it's quietly put everybody in the in, in the correct role uh, and it's made them long, lengthy, and they're a really good defensive team. So seven games in a row at the time of recording this, as you said, you know fifty forty ninety for both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And by the way. Uh, you know, guys like you know, Nick Batum, he's actually not far off of that. He's three percentage points away from from being in a 90 uh, free throw range. That would put him at 50, 40, 90 as well. Uh, Luke Kennard is two percentage points from being um, in the 50th uh, percentile for, for field goals. That would put him at 50, 40, 90 as well. So the, the, the entire team is, is shooting the lights out. Yeah, I think what you just said about Serge Ibaka is a really good point too. It, it does, it just does feel like everyone knows their role because you know Serge Ibaka, and it also helps that he was with Kawhi Leonard in that run, that one season he was in Toronto, so they already kind of had chemistry. Um, and even though he's not putting up quite the same numbers that he was before, they know how to play off of each other. Um, so yeah, I mean they're shooting the lights out. That helps. Uh, we'll see how sustainable that is. Um, but it, you know, 
I don't know if it is Tyron Lue, but the, it, everything just seems to be clicking more this season, um, yeah. which is a big step, as I said, in the right direction for them. Absolutely. All right. I, I said something to you off air, and I, and I want you to try and dispute it or agree with me. Uh, I think right now, when you look at top to bottom in the Western Conference from 1 mm-hmm. to 10, uh, and that's the Lakers, Clippers, Jazz, Nuggets, Blazers, Grizzlies, Suns, Warriors, Spurs, and Mavs. Those 10 teams, I think, are already locked in to the top 10 spots in the Western Conference. I don't think any other team uh, is going to get into the top 10 seeds in the Western Conference. Why is that significant? Because we have the play-in tournament, as we know, so 10 teams will make the playoffs, air quotes around playoffs, um, but they'll have a chance to actually get into the playoffs, 10 teams, via the play-in tournament. Uh, So, I think the Spurs and Mavs right now that are holding down the ninth and tenth spot, they're going to be there. Um, the only thing that I'm I'm not sure of is the order in which the seeds will fall. But I think mm-hmm. those ten teams that are in that those ten spots right now are going to be the ten teams at the end of the season. Do you agree? Disagree? And who gets in? This is going to be really boring because I agree with you. But I will say the the one because the Thunder have been better than I thought anyone expect. I, I think anyone expected them to be. But they're still not a team that's going to finish at the top 10 record in the West this season. The Sacramento Kings have been an absolute disaster defensively. I have a really hard time seeing them make that jump. Pelicans are a little bit out of sorts, but that's fine. They're playing the long game. They have two young guys in Ingram and Zion. They're going to be good in the future. And the Timberwolves have... Have they been the most disappointing team in the the, the league this season? Um, They're they're 4-12 right now. Carl Anthony Towns has missed time. Um, hopefully, speedy recovery and he gets back soon. D'Angelo Russell hasn't played the last few games. Anthony Edwards is, it has gotten off to a bit of a slow start. So I, I don't think any of those teams are in the mix for that. The one that I didn't say is the Rockets. And they're the only team that... I don't know if I'd say I'm expecting them to crack that top 10. But right. there is a world in which I think they... You know, a Memphis slides a little bit and Houston gets in there. Because they've just missed a lot of time with injuries. John Wall's missed time. Old Depot's played in only three of the five games since the trade. Obviously, they lost James Harden. But they've actually been pretty good defensively since Harden got traded. Um, I, I think they're going to be better offensively when they can kind of everyone get back and everyone's healthy. So they're, they're the one team that I, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me. I don't know if I'm expecting it, but it wouldn't shock me if they moved up a couple spots and made this interesting. I could listen to that argument. I just think that right now they're they have too much... Uh, on their hands to figure out. I, I know you said defensively they're playing pretty well, but you know once John Wall and Victor Oladipo start playing again together and everyone gets back healthy, they're gonna there's gonna be a learning curve there. And I, I think mm-hmm. there's not a learning curve right now in Memphis. Are they a better team on paper? I don't know, but I, I think Memphis has less questions for me to answer uh, than the Houston Rockets do right now. Um, all right, let's talk about the East because I think the East is a little bit more interesting. Uh, the the top ten teams, I don't think, will be the top ten teams at the end of the season, and I think all but one team I will definitively count out of making the postseason. And that one team, sorry, Detroit fans, but I don't think it's your year. Uh, I think the Pistons have any chance of making uh, the top ten in the Eastern Conference, so we can uh, eliminate them. Uh, and if you don't like that, Detroit fans, you get me up on Twitter at the Carlin Gate. So here we are. 14 teams still remain in the hunt in the Eastern Conference. I know the Wizards have just as bad of a record as the Pistons do, but they just have so many games in hand that uh, you know they, they could get on a hot streak and figure things out in the back end of the season. 
Where do you stand on what the top 10 looks like in the East and, and who out of those teams that aren't in the top 10 right now uh, has a chance to get in? I think the Heat are the easy one, that they're 13th right now. I'd be stunned if they didn't finish with a top eight record in the Eastern Conference. They've just been missing so much time with uh, health and safety protocols and injuries. Uh, it feels like every single game that I've watched with them, they have at least three players in their rotation out, um, whether it's been Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, whatever the case may be. Um, so when they kind of get everyone back, I have a really hard time seeing this team not move up, um, especially with the way that Bam Adebayo has been playing lately. He's just been... Uh, incredible on both ends of the court. So the Heat are an easy one for me. They're going to crack that top 10. Other than that, for me, they've both been a nice surprise. I have a hard time seeing the Cavs and the Knicks being in the top 10. And I think that's an opportunity to, for the Heat to move up. And then potentially a team like the Hornets, um, who have been pretty good this season, um, you know, off of the strength of Gordon Haywood, who's back to kind of playing like an all-star level. LaMelo Ball has been a nice uh, he's, he's kind of lived up to the expectations, even though I know you, you weren't a big believer in him going into this season. Not at all. So, so for me, and, and the Raptors are the other team. I know we're going to disagree on that one, but I, I do think the Raptors, they're in 10th right now, so, so they're one of the top 10 teams. But I do think they, they could move. It wouldn't shock me if they moved up two or three spots to that 7th or 8th seed in the Eastern Conference, which is still lower than I thought they would be going into the season. But um, you know the, that the middle to the bottom of the Eastern Conference is a lot that still can change. Because it's pretty safe to assume the, the 76ers, Celtics, Bucks, Nets, and Pacers at this point, I think, are going to be the top five. And the Hawks are just super talented, and I think they're going to be a top eight team. So that leaves two, two playoff spots and then pl- plus two of, the, uh, two of the playing tournament spots. So you have the Cavs, Knicks, Magic fall, potentially falling out, uh, and you add the Heat and potentially the Hornets um, to the top ten, correct? Uh, I don't know if I said anything about the Magic. They're, they're a tough one for me to peg just because Jonathan Isaac, not having him, and Markel Fultz are two big losses for them. And it puts just so much pressure on Nikola Vucevic, who's been really good. But I, I, awesome. I just worry about them offensively uh, to kind of maintain the, the pace that they've been at this season. I mean, they seem to be in the playoffs, or at least the playoff mix, every single season. So there's a good chance mm-hmm. they're going to be fighting for one of those 10 spots all season long. But yeah, I, I think... The Heat, easily for me, they're going to crack the top 10. I wouldn't be shocked if the Hornets did, but they could also finish just outside, and I wouldn't be surprised by that either. So really, the only team for me that I can see moving up is the Heat, for sure. I think the, I think the Hornets must make the playoffs this year. I think it's a must for them. They, they went out and spent the big bucks getting the you know picking up Gordon Hayward. Um, you know They had a top three pick in the draft. I think this is a, they, they set out to try and make the playoffs this year. I think this is a must playoff season for the Hornets especially when you're, you're you're getting 10 teams in there so um and then on the magic I'm I'm with you I really don't know how to pick it with them they they're just consistently in seventh or eighth uh it seems like every year this year has been a bit of a struggle for them though as you said injuries has affected them um and you know Vucevic is playing out of his mind but they're just two and eight in their last 10 games and they seem to be trending down where normally um they've been a team historically that has started the season really hot uh, and then cooled off towards the middle, but they, but because they start the season so hot, it, it's, it gives them sort of that cushion that kind of you know allows them to coast into the postseason in that seventh or eighth spot. Now they're doing it; they're going to have to battle hard in the second half of the season to to, to maintain and, and and try and crack that top ten with you know likely the Heat and Hornets and even the Bulls uh, maybe giving them a little pressure there. So that'll be interesting to see who that that fight for ten and that's that's exciting because in a season like this where you know a lot is. Uh, unknown and uncertain you know from game to game so we've had a, a ton of postponed games but 
when you look at you know, how the playoff race is shaping up in the Eastern Conference um, and even the West, uh, but ma- mainly the Eastern Conference, you're going to have a situation where I think we're going to come down to maybe the last two weeks of the season and uh, you know, there's going to be four teams maybe in the, in the mix to just get into that play-in. And then when you, when you get into that play-in because you're so hot and it's only going to be a one-game scenario, you can, you know, get hot enough and, and win a game. It's going to f- sort of feel like that NCAA tournament. And, and as you know, upsets happen in that tournament all the time. It, it may not happen when you go best of seven, but in a one-game scenario, it, it's really easy to, to – any team could beat any team in the NBA is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and the playing tournament was great last season between the Blazers mm-hmm. um, and the Grizzlies. Really was. That was a that was a really fun game. I am curious to see how that plays out though, because I think right now it's it, it no matter what kind of combination it happens. Like even if the Bulls are in that playing tournament, which is a team I'm not very high on, like they would be fun to watch in that situation because yeah, Zach Levine is a threat to go for fifty any night really and carry right. carry them to a victory. Um, but I do wonder in the years to come if they do keep this playing tournament. If we are going to find situations, like I'm thinking about like last, uh, like two seasons ago, maybe um, there's teams in the ninth and 10th spot who just have no business being there. Um, (laughs) And again, right now, you know, it it doesn't look like that's going to be the case this season because even a team like the Hornets, the Bulls, the Wizards, like they could make things interesting. But I do wonder if we keep doing this, if there's going to be a time, some, you know, sometime that there's just a team that makes that ninth or 10th that has no business being there. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, that could happen every year, but I think it's still going to be fun for those fans uh, of those teams that, you know, if you're normally on normal circumstances, you're thinking about the draft in like February. At least now you can potentially see some, you know, a first round home playoff game uh, against whatever the number one seed is uh, if you if you're able to cut through on that playing tournament. All right, let's uh, let's pivot and and talk uh, MVP. you know, we're, we're about a month in now, just over a month, right, uh, in the yep. NBA season. And I think there's, you know, probably five. You, you can make an argument, I think, legitimately for about five, six guys uh, for MVP this season. Um, when you look at Nikola Jokic, uh, Kawhi Leonard, Joel Embiid, LeBron James, uh, Kevin Durant, the way he's played. Um, Giannis is still there. Luka Doncic, I know the record's not there, but his numbers are. So, um, where do you sit when you look at the the lay of the land in the MVP uh, race? Um, and, and this might be one of the most wide open races that we've had in a little bit now. It is. It's it's really hard. We did our first MVP ladder uh, two weeks ago, and it was just it was really hard to come up with five players because you're right. E- even when you get beyond the the Durant, Kawhi, Giannis. Um, Luca Sabonis has played really well. Like you got to give consideration to guys like that. Tatum has played well. Jalen Brown. So there really is. That's the fun thing about doing this so early into the season is that there's just so many candidates. But to me, right now, I really do kind of think this is a three-man race, and that is Nikola Jokic, who is basically averaging a triple double, triple double at the center position. And the Nuggets got off to a slow start this season, but. They're now 10 and 7, fourth seed in the Western Conference. They have that record that can kind of back up that MVP candidacy for him. Um, the second one is Joel Embiid. He's been incredible. Um, he's he's averaging basically 28 and 12 to go with one block. The 76 is a 12 and 6 with the best record in the Eastern Conference. And the on-off splits with him are just absurd. They've been plus 11.5 net rating with him on the court, minus 5.9 with him off the court, which is just a tremendous difference. And you look at the games that he's played over the last 10 days, two weeks, um, he, he's just demolishing teams. And this is kind of the Embiid that I think we've all kind of been waiting for for the past couple of years. 
Um, and the last one, like you said, LeBron. We've already talked about it a little bit. Stats are down across the board. But uh, the Lakers are cruising. They're absolutely crushing teams with them on the court. His on-off splits are pretty similar to Joel Embiid. And, you know, you have performances like last night where he just kind of single-handedly puts the Lakers on his back, scores 21 points in the fourth quarter, and just drains jumper after jumper after jumper uh, to put that game away and, and lift them to a 10-0 perfect record on the road. So right now, to me, it's a three-man race. Uh, there are a lot of other players who deserve consideration. Um, Damian Lillard's another one, by the way. Damian Lillard, I feel like, gets flown under the radar a lot of times in the MVP conversation, but he's having another great season. But, but right now, to me, it's between those three and Jokic and beating LeBron. I was going to mention Damian Lillard because he is balling. Last five games, he's averaging 31 points, seven assists, uh, shooting 37% from three-point range and 98% from the foul line. Like he, he is, he is just locked in, and he's. And you look at that Blazers team lot. too. Yeah, and he, the he's doing a lot of have. this damage with uh, CJ McCollum on the sideline, Nurkic on the sideline for probably eight to eight to ten weeks. Um, so this is a team that uh, you know he needs to step up, and he has, and they're right in the mix. They're fifth right now in the East, in the Western Conference, rather. Um, the one name you didn't mention that I think needs to get some love, and it's weird that he hasn't gotten any love uh, in terms of MVP conversation, uh, is Donovan Mitchell. This is you know a Utah Jazz team who we talked about last week, eight game winning streak. Now uh, we said that they were going to get a lot of love nationally, and I think they, them, and Donovan Mitchell got more love nationally for the question that Shaq threw at him or, or the statement mm-hmm. that Shaq threw at him than their actual play on the court. Uh, and you know, outside of that, Mitchell has been as good as he has been, uh, you know, the last couple of years, just a little bit more efficient in in, in certain areas. And um, his team is winning. They look and feel like a better team. You know, sometimes I think we get caught up on, you know, players making the big jump stats-wise to get them in the MVP conversation. But, you know, Mitchell has kind of adjusted his game to, you know, encourage Mike Conley to be Mike Conley, adjusted his game to encourage uh, Bogdanovich to be Bogdanovich, and, you know, we, we've seen the explosion from Jordan Clarkson. Uh, that Utah Jazz team is better uh, and, and Mitchell is more efficient and he's still not getting the love that he deserves. I, I think some of that has to do with him just getting off to a slow start this season because he, he really did come out, come out of the gates a little cold. But over the, this eight-game win streak that they've had, he's averaging 27.3 points, five assists, 4.6 rebounds, um, and a shade under a steal on a block per game, shooting incredibly from the field. I mean, he's he's been incredible during this stretch. And I think, you know, the the way that he's played and how good the Jazz have been, he's definitely worthy of mention. I just don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't have him in the same mix as Jokic and Bede and LeBron, uh, would you? No, I wouldn't have him in that mix. But he, I think in, when you're talking about top 10, um, yes, he does. You know, he, we, he we named a bunch it. of players, and he he just wasn't there. We 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 called Luca's name before we called Donovan Mitchell, and I think Donovan Mitchell is probably you know say what you want about Luca, he's he's a great player, and he's going to win an MVP eventually uh, in his career. But Donovan Mitchell, right now, if the season ended today, would be the you know he would get my vote over Luka Doncic. I'm sorry. That's just, you know, and same, I think that falls for, you know, Giannis, you know, Paul George and some of these other guys, even Kevin Durant, some of these other guys that we've named. Uh, Donovan Mitchell's been that good and the Jazz have been that good. It's just, you know, maybe maybe it's them playing in Utah. Uh, maybe it's the, you know, as you said, maybe it's a slow start to the season, but you can make that argument that Kawhi Leonard started slow and we still named him. You know, it, it's, it's, it's interesting to see, uh, I guess, the lack of. I don't want to say respect because I think people respect him, but the uh, the lack of attention Donovan Mitchell and the Utah Jazz have gotten for how good they've been this year. 
Um, and hopefully that translates into some uh, some notoriety down the line. Yeah, and we were kind of, I'm glad we talked about them last week because they, you know, we talked about how good they've been and how this was a good stretch for them coming up against the Pelicans and the Warriors. Um, and, you know, they handled their business in those games and Donovan Mitchell did too. So, yeah, eight, eight, eight straight wins, third best record in the West. They've been a really nice surprise so far this season. Um, and they're, they're just a good team. We talked about Mike Conley a little bit last week, but I think him kind of being the player that the Jazz thought they were getting when they first made that trade uh, is just huge for them. And he, he kind of just balances everything out on offense, gives them another shot maker, another shot creator, um, a good defender, and, and just rounding all those parts of the, that, that starting lineup in particular out. So um, they, they've been a nice surprise, and I hope they keep it going. Win streaks at eight. Where do you think the first loss comes? I'll give you the next games they have coming up. Their win streak is at eight. The next game is they actually play tonight against the New York Knicks uh, at home. It's probably that game. (laughs) (laughs) You laugh. You laugh. Historically, that would be funny. But uh, the Knicks are, you know, eight and ten. They're they're scrappy. One of the best defensive teams in the league. And um, they can't score a lick, but they're stopping teams from scoring. So, in all honesty, all jokes aside, is, is it is it ending tonight against the Knicks? It, it, feel, it just feels like one of those trap games as well. Do you know what I mean? Because after that, they've got Dallas twice. They've got Denver. So, that, that mm. three-game stretch against MVP candidates, we, we just said it. Those seem like the tougher games. But I feel like anytime I'm looking at one of these situations, it's always that team against the Knicks on a Tuesday night on you know a night where there's only three NBA games or something that that win streak comes to an end. So, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it'll end tonight against the Knicks. I'm just saying it. I, I wouldn't shock me at all. But well, um, I, either way, if they win or lose, that, that stretch against Dallas, that back-to-back in Utah, followed by a game against the Nuggets in Denver, um, that'll be a good test for, the, for, this, for this Jazz team. Yeah, I feel like we're going to be saying that all year, and that's a little disrespectful. I, I think every tough stretch that comes up on the schedule will be saying, oh, we'll really find out what this Jazz team is. Meanwhile, they've shown us over the last eight games that they're pretty good. <laughs> they're a pretty good basketball no, team. No, they have. Um, I mean, and they beat Denver um, about a week ago, and that was a really good – that was a fun game, hard-fought mm-hmm. game um, when Jordan Clarkson kind of just went off, off the bench. So they've already played once this season, but I think, you know – you look at some of these games they played, they have good wins. They, they've beaten Milwaukee, they've beaten Denver, but they've also you know beaten Detroit, they've beaten Cleveland, they've beaten New Orleans twice, who have been kind of a mess. They took care of business against the Warriors. So again, those are good wins. I'm not taking anything away from them, but I, I do look forward to these kind of matchups against two, t- I mean, they're two playoff teams um, in Dallas and Denver. So, And again, we, we just talked about the MVP race and everything like that. So it's fun talking about seeing MVP candidates actually go head to head. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, that Dallas, uh, sorry, that that Knicks game, that uh, Jazz Knicks game, is actually going to be on NBA TV in Canada. Um, for everybody else looking to get more Jazz fix, I think they got to wait a little while uh, before they show back up on national TV. So, um, well, they do on Friday against the Dallas Mavericks, um, but. In between, you can catch them on NBA League Pass. If you haven't gotten NBA League Pass as yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. Uh, One of the best apps in the world, period. I'm not just saying that because uh, I enjoy watching it, but it really has changed the way that I consume basketball. I'm no longer stuck watching commercial breaks. I uh, flip the channel and uh, use my right to not uh, watch commercial breaks. It's it's, it's just a game changer. It really is. In the streaming world where everybody's kind of watching Netflix, 
Netflix and everything else, and there's no commercial breaks and those things, uh, how can I sit there as a sports fan and be stuck watching a, another beer ad? So uh, shout out to NBA League Pass. If you ha- ha- don't have it, go out and get it. Uh, it is definitely uh, a basketball fan's dream. Um, we will catch you next week back here at 3 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday across the NBA Global Networks. Uh, for Scott Rafferty, I am Carlin Gay. Reminding you to stay safe, enjoy your basketball, and once again, RIP to the GOAT, Kobe Bryant.